0: Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. It's always great to introduce people who haven't actually spoken from this platform before. So it's the first time um, and it's my privilege. We're in a series in Romans uh, this morning and uh, we're looking at a very important subject. And we've asked uh, Taylor Bencliffe to bring God's word to us. Taylor and Nathan lead the youth in Westminster Chapel. So when she comes up, it would be really good to show our appreciation because this is a very important ministry of the church. Uh, Nathan, her husband, used to be my PA uh, for quite a few years and uh, is a good friend. They're both great friends. And we're really looking forward to hearing what you want to say, Taylor. So let's give her a warm chapel welcome. She comes to bring God's word to us. Thank you. Good morning. I'm so glad this works because I just tried to uh, drink water with it on. So it was in the cup. So if anybody puts some of these on, don't try and drink. Um, Yeah, it's great to be with you this morning. We are normally leading the youth group, as Guy said, but it's good to be in with you. So yes, we've been working through Romans 12, absolutely beautiful passage, and I have the privilege of sharing on verse 13. Um, So I'll be reading that to us, and we learn from God throughout the Bible that He really cares about how we express our love for one another and our relationships inside the family of God and also outside the family of God You know, We see that he blesses and builds up small families in order to then bless the nations. And we see that he shares his good news with God's people so that they can then extend it effectively to the Gentiles. And this verse is brilliant. It's small. I think it's about 11 words. But we see, again, a succinct kind of picture of God's care for inside the family of God and also outside the family of God. So if we can have the verse, it's verse 13. It says, share with the Lord's people people who are in need and practice hospitality so share with the Lord's people in-house in the family of God and practice hospitality outside the family of God which we'll get on to And actually, the practice hospitality for me has been a bit of a convicting two-word part. I've been really doing work with God when preparing this message, and that's actually where I want to really dig into, really spend some time in the practice hospitality section. But I will just share a couple of thoughts on this sharing with the Lord's people who are in need. And so for me, when looking at this passage, one question that I had, and it might sound a little bit strange, but it was why does it matter? Why does it matter that we share with the Lord's people who are in need? Another translation says, contribute to the needs of the saints. And I know that sounds a little bit harsh. Don't get me wrong. I know it's good. I know it feels nice. I know it's nice and kind to help one another. But why does it matter? Because we're already saved. If you're a Christian here today, we're already on our way to heaven. We've been brought from death to life. So what do we really need? I mean, I understand helping and loving and sharing those outside of the church, showing them a picture of Jesus's love and extending what we have. And just a disclaimer, I actually am an only child and I also don't have any children. So it might just be that I missed the whole sharing with brothers and sisters lesson. So you're all looking at me like, is she all right? But I'm okay. and um, We can pray for me at the end. But sharing with brothers and sisters, well, I started thinking about and talking with God about the purpose then of the church. What is the purpose of the church? And absolutely the purpose of the church is to love and share with those outside. We are the hope of the world. But actually another purpose of the church is to glorify the Father. You know, Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, we are a city on a hill, we're a lamp on a lampstand, we're to shine before men. Why? To give glory to our Father in heaven we are to shine before men but also Jesus teaches his disciples that we are to love one another because he's first loved us which is share the love that we have from him with one another again why well it will be proof to others that we are his disciples that we are Christ's disciples the way that we help and love one another glorifies the father so that's one good purpose of loving and helping the saints who are in need secondly it's practical And Paul would have known this. I know that Andy shared last week about how Paul would have understood that at this time where people were becoming Christians, many would have been displaced. They would have been disowned from their families. And realistically, in order to get by and be effective in ministry, to grow, to function, that family relationship would have needed to be found Elsewhere, And where were they going to find it? Well, they were going to find it in the people of God. It would be practical and effective for ministry to support the needs of the saints. And thinking about it, I think Paul is no stranger to this, because Paul would have known the need for this kind of help. He would have been the last person when he received the revelation of Christ. Let's bear in mind, he was out here persecuting Christians. So when he came along and said, oh, guys, do you know what? You were right. Jesus is who he says he is. I've had this revelation. And when I was persecuting all of you guys, I was actually persecuting the saviour of the world. I'm so sorry. Now, does anybody have anywhere I can stay? you can imagine as a Christian at that point, a new Christian, it would have been hard to let Paul into your home or help him with his needs. But realistically, those who supported Paul and helped Paul's needs make us here today, makes makes it possible that we're here today hearing Paul's letter and receiving his ministry. Helping the needs of the saints, alleviating one another's needs, helps us to be effective in ministry. So it glorifies God and it's practical. The issue is that I think it really needs to be intentional. It's not easy to love and support one another in our needs. And again, Paul would have understood that. It's not just about those that we're friends with or close to. In fact, Paul writes pretty broadly, help the saints or the Lord's people. And I don't think he keeps it broad by accident because who are the saints? Well, it's anyone who's received the revelation of Christ. It's not just those that are in our kind of inner circle, it's not just those that we sit next to. I mean, it's really easy to help the needs of our friends and it does feel good, it's not a bad thing, absolutely brilliant, but it's very easy. But actually need can come from anywhere within the family of God. It can come from people who aren't on that inner circle, people who don't have the same background as us or the same testimony as us or even the same marital status as us. So how do, we, how, do ooh, yeah. uh, how do we find out the needs of the saints? Well, it all comes from relationship. We need to be intentional, and we need to be getting to know one another. I mean, we mentioned we have a meal out the back. We have the fantastic opportunity of eating together as a family of God. And often we're on tables with people that we don't really know or we wouldn't cross paths with the rest of the week. So why don't we ask each other questions, get to know one another. I wouldn't suggest going in with what is your greatest need because that might be a little bit strange. But finding out where people are coming from, finding out their interests, building relationships so that when the time comes that there is a need in the family of God, people feel in a safe space to present it. And so there are a couple of thoughts on loving one another and supporting each other's needs inside the family of God. But what I really, really want to get stuck into is that second part of the verse, practice hospitality. So God cares about inside the family of God, but he also cares about outside the family of God. And every single part of this Romans 12 um, chunk that we've been going through definitely is a characteristic of Jesus For me I am convinced that Jesus is the king of hospitality and this can be a little bit strange because often we talk about hospitality and we talk about our homes and we talk about sharing our homes with people. So how is it then that we can or I can say that Jesus is the king of hospitality when he was constantly roaming and didn't really have a consistent place to lay his head. Well, when it comes to hospitality and the definition, absolutely, it's often about how we share our homes with people, how we open up our home, but the reason for that is because it's intrinsically linked with how we welcome those on the outside into our lives, how we treat those and care for those who are distant to us and invite them into our inner circle, how we treat and approach strangers.' Now, if we're talking about inviting people into our inner circle or those who are on the outside and bringing them in to our own blessing, then I'm pretty sure you could agree, Jesus is fantastic at hospitality and his ministry is one marked with hospitality. But even with his example, even with Jesus's ministry, I think sometimes we can get this kind of thought of hospitality and our outworking of hospitality slightly skewed. And I think Preparing this message, I definitely uh, got challenged and convicted of some of the kind of backwards ways that I've been thinking about hospitality. And I think one of the key mistakes that I've definitely made, and maybe some of us have made, is that we go out with this saviour complex. That hospitality has everything to do with how we can help people and how we can judge that situation. And often it can be thinking about, well... How can I support this person? And do I even have the time to spend with this person? Do I have anything in my back pocket to give to this person? Should I support this person with my time or with my money? And would that even help? And actually, do I have time to stop and even hear the needs of this person or even build a relationship because I've really got to be over here and I don't want to be late for work? And would Jesus prefer it if I let down this person or let down this person? This is what my brain sounds like. But notice how many times I say the word I in that thought process. I think our mistake is thinking that everything hangs on the fact that we need to help these poor, distant, estranged people because we are their only hope. Now, there is a truth in that. Of course, the church is the hope of the world. The church absolutely should be on a mission to serve and to help and to love. We want to be ambassadors of Christ. We've received his inheritance and we want to bless others. And absolutely, we have a message of life and death on our very lips. But we aren't the saviour. We are not the saviour. We too have been saved. And it might sound a bit obvious. You might think, have you just come here on a Sunday to tell us that we have a saviour and that we've been saved? Yeah, to be honest, I have. Because when we think about hospitality, I think this is such a key lens to see hospitality too. Because when we look for the person on the outside of our inner circle, or those who are distant to us, those who maybe don't connect with us so naturally, or strangers, or even foreigners, what we should be seeing is part of ourselves, or at least our past selves, if we're Christians here this morning. We should see ourselves in them. And I wanted to read just to hammer home this point from Ephesians chapter two, which I think just puts it beautifully. And it's one of my favourite passages. It's Ephesians chapter two from verse 17. And it says, He came, this is Jesus, and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to you who were near. For Through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord and in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit So yes, we are a family. Yes, we've been brought in. Yes, we want to contribute to one another's needs and we're being aligned with the chief cornerstone, Jesus himself. But we will also want strangers and aliens distant from God, only brought in because of his scandalous grace. And so when we go out thinking, I really need to get better at hospitality, we should be wanting to share that invitation that we've had. We know the weight that Jesus has invited us in when we were once strangers and that's where our heart should be coming from it shouldn't be all about what we have to offer or what we've accumulated and actually speaking of what we have to offer I think a second mistake I often make is thinking all about that what do I have to offer we often imagine that hospitality is solely inviting the uncomfortable into our comfort and again it's partly true Jesus absolutely did invite us into his eternal comfort. And my goodness, we would have been uncomfortable had he not. But the way that Jesus does it wasn't sounding how I was thinking it through. My thoughts sounded nothing like Jesus's. And again, I've kind of been coming to realise this just this week. Because when it came to my own comfort, this is how I would kind of think through extending hospitality. And the worst bit is I thought I was doing pretty well but you'll hear kind of what's going on on the inside and you can judge that for yourself, but it would sound something like this. Okay, so I'm really pleased with how our house is looking at the moment and I'm really pleased with the kind of colour coordination and you know what, I think it's time that I let someone in to sit on my sofa. Or it might be something like, oh, we, okay, it's not me, it's absolutely Nathan, my husband, but Nathan's got the latest PlayStation game, or whatever it is, I don't know, this is obviously an analogy. Uh, PlayStation 5 game, and he's ready to invite people in to share in that, to play that. Aren't they lucky? Or maybe, and this is definitely one for me, I love to cook. I love different recipes. I love ingredients. I'm definitely a feeder. um, I love feeding people. And you know what? I think it's time that I let someone in to sample the great meal that I'll provide. You're welcome. It's not quite right, is it? But honestly, there's truth in that. That would be how I would think. I'm gonna let people in, the uncomfortable, to experience our comfort because we're so blessed in God. We're gonna give the people who are distant, the strangers, a walk on our side of the street. A reminder, we are not the saviour, we too have been saved. And Jesus does not just invite the uncomfortable into his comfort, but Jesus makes himself uncomfortable in order to bring those into his comfort. He had a habit of making himself uncomfortable to do that. A couple of weeks ago, we were planning a message. Um, We're prepping the youth ministry um, material. And we were talking about conversations with Jesus. We've been doing a few weeks. And last week, um, Brie and Ollie, shout out to them, youth leaders, led a session on the woman at the well and when we were prepping this material and discussing that and we were talking a little bit about the story if you don't know it um, there's a Samaritan woman now Samaritans and the Jewish people they did not mix there's a lot of racism going on you wouldn't find them in the same place and we talk about how the woman went to the well to draw water but what's strange about the story is that she went in the middle of the day kind of midday in the blistering heat she would have been really uncomfortable it would have been really hot which tells us that she was some sort of outcast or she clearly had a problem with both her community as well as the Jewish people because she was going alone to avoid everyone often the women would have gone together in the early hours um, to avoid the heat and there Jesus meets her offers his hospitality reveals himself to her and offers living water But when prepping the youth material we were discussing and something came up that I've never thought of before, we often don't talk about the fact that Jesus chose to go out in the middle of the day to meet this woman at the well. Jesus chose to go out in the blistering heat to go and sit, be very uncomfortable to have this interaction with the woman at the well. And he didn't need to. He's Jesus. He could have planned this kind of interaction at any time of day, anywhere, and made it so it wasn't so uncomfortable. But instead, he made himself as uncomfortable as the woman to meet her where she was at. And Jesus didn't just decide this on the day. He didn't wake up and think, oh, you know what? Be really good. I'm going to do a good deed. I'm going to go out, make myself uncomfortable so that she sees that I'm willing to make myself uncomfortable uh, and she'll really receive me then. He didn't just decide on the day. This was always the plan and always his characteristic. It was always in the Father's heart. And we know that Jesus says he does nothing apart from what he sees in the Father. So this is telling us something about how God thinks. These mini stories, these interactions, these moments that we see Jesus make himself uncomfortable to meet with people human to human all fit into the overarching story that God himself would make himself uncomfortable, even unto death on a cross, to bring us into his home. I just want to read um, from Philippians chapter two, because again, I think, well, the Bible always puts it better. And it describes this perfectly, just talking about how we relate to one another. That's what the chapter is focusing on, Philippians chapter two. And I'm actually going to read from verse three. I think we have verse five up here, maybe. I might have added it all in. Yeah, this is from verse five, but I'm going to take it back a couple of verses. So it starts, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So don't invite people around to sit on your nice cushions. It's a challenge for myself. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And then from verse five, which we have, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name just added that last verse because I like it it wasn't up there um But this, this is our DNA and this is the drive of the Holy Spirit in us. This is the Father's heart and this is what true hospitality looks like. And it's hard to imagine what that would sound like for each of us. It's definitely dependent on the specific kind of scenario. But even thinking about my own thoughts, the kind of, you know, I love to cook. I hope that someone will come in and taste my food. You're welcome. Maybe that would sound a little bit different. Maybe that would sound like having a relationship and knowing that somebody is struggling with meeting the needs of their family or food. And instead of doing that, going out shopping together, shopping for food, getting together, cooking together, opening our kitchen to share thoughts and share recipes and share food. And if it would bless them and if they wanted that, packing up that food and sending it home to their family. All based on relationship, and of course, I'm completely making this up. It would be dependent on whatever your scenario is and whoever the person was, because again, our hospitality should be based on the needs of the other, not based on what we have acquired, what we have accumulated and what we have to offer. And I wanted to share a bit of her story. I wasn't sure whether to share it actually. Um, it's definitely not a happy story. Um, but something that definitely came to mind when preparing this message, um, and a story that will stick with Nathan and I for the rest of our lives. We were living a couple of years ago um, in Mitcham, and we were living in this apartment, uh, and it was a great time, and we had some neighbors next door. We had a family. I believe they were from Sri Lanka. They were so sweet. They had three children um, who would play on the grass. And I used to see them kind of every day. And when I say next doors, I I mean they were the next door in our apartment. Um, And so I would come home from work or I'd be working from home. And I would see this woman and she might be kind of sat out on the grass watching the children or just looking over the balcony and talking to the children. And all the time I thought, you know, I really should, like I know I should be reaching out and building relationship and that's why we came here and I should absolutely be doing that. And time went by and I just kept coming up with these reasons. And again, they were often these I reasons. It was, oh, I don't know if... I'm happy with how I've decorated our apartment enough to invite people in or I don't know if we would have cultural differences that would make this woman uncomfortable in our in our apartment I don't know if she'd want me to come to her apartment and I don't know if there'll be a language barrier and i i i and to be honest it was all a load of rubbish because these things don't bother me at all I love meeting new people from different cultures I was using them as excuses because to be honest I clearly couldn't be bothered to build that relationship And the first kind of interaction of weight that we had with that family was receiving a bang, bang, bang on the door. My husband Nathan and I were chatting in the living room, and I was like, oh, let me go and answer that. And I opened the door, and I see this young boy, aged eight or nine. He's shaking violently. Something's clearly wrong. There's there's adults, a few adults around, all speaking different languages and trying to communicate. We had a very multicultural building. And I I believe he'd come to our door um, solely because I think Nathan had done a better job than me and he'd been playing cricket and football with these children um, historically over the weeks so for some reason he felt like he could knock on our door I come out something's clearly wrong and I ask you know what's happened and tragically horrendously he he proceeds to tell me that his mother this woman that I hadn't reached out to has decided to take her own life and that of her four-year-old daughter in the apartment next door and I don't try and say this to be dramatic and I also don't try and say this to suggest that our hospitality is the sole prevention of these things but I do say it to say that I believe that if anyone or anything has the power to turn around these situations or lead people to Christ it's the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit works through the hospitality of the church and so before we finish I just want to encourage us to be, number one, praying that the Holy Spirit helps us to see ourselves in those who are distant to us, those who aren't in our inner circle, those who are strangers or foreigners, to remember that we were once strangers brought in only because of his grace into the family of God. And secondly, that we would consider what it would mean in our context to be willing to make ourselves uncomfortable, to reach out to those who God has put in front of us or he's putting on our hearts, To meet people where they're at and how we could share with others. So I'm going to invite the band to come back up and I'm going to pray for us. And I also want to encourage anyone here as well who have probably heard this before that there is a Saviour who's come and that we have been saved. And maybe you've heard as well that Jesus came to invite us into His family and His comfort, that He would die on a cross, make Himself that uncomfortable to pay the price for our distance and our wrongdoing and if that's you and you haven't accepted Jesus's invitation into his family his purchase for our distance between us and God then I would just encourage you to please come and speak to one of our ministry team I believe it's over here the prayer banner or speak to me before you leave today and we'd love to talk to you about that but I'm going to pray for us as a church um, because I think it's important Father God, we just thank you that you and only because of you have we been brought into the family of God. That we can't even understand or comprehend the extent to which we were strangers and aliens and foreigners and distant from your great family. We thank you that you made yourself uncomfortable unto death on a cross so that we would be able to be invited in and be treated as your beloved sons and daughters, receiving your inheritance, receiving life where we would have had death I thank you that we are no longer children of your wrath but your beloved and I pray Holy Spirit that you would convict us and help us to see others as we once were to see others on the outside and not even think twice about whether we you like or can be bothered to invite people in, that we would understand the weight of what you've done for us and extend that willingly to others. And God, I just pray now that you would bring to mind people's contexts and individual people, situations where we could be connecting with people, asking questions, reaching out. And I pray that you would embolden us and remind us that it's not about how comfortable we feel, but actually whether we would make ourselves uncomfortable to meet people where they're at. We also thank you for all of the blessings that we have in our lives, that we even have things to share. And ultimately your gospel, which is the greatest gift. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would fall now, that you would do a work in us, that we wouldn't be an apathetic church, that we wouldn't be a church that doesn't what it says, Lord, that doesn't represent you well, but that we would be a church that would be radically marked by hospitality, especially at a time in our, in our world when it, we need it more than ever. Would you mark your church this morning with hospitality? In Jesus' name. Amen.